0: Hello and welcome to series two of our We Can Cumbria podcast, which is kindly supported again by Cumbria Community Foundation. I'm your host Jenna Sutherland, I'm the wellbeing coordinator at We Can in Carlisle. In this series I'm going to be inviting some more real local people to share their health and wellbeing experiences and expertise in authentic and open conversations with me. Real people telling their own stories in their own words. Today is episode four and our guest is Lindsay Eland. Lindsay lives and works in Carlisle and has spent the last 12 years working at Carlisle and Eden Mind. Today she's here to talk to us in more depth about her new not-for-profit organisation which focuses on perimenopause and menopause. So good afternoon Lindsay, how are you? I'm all right, thanks Jenna, how are you? I'm okay, yeah. So it's really interesting today because I think we're just saying is it Menopause Awareness Month,
1: or it has been an Awareness Day. It is, yes. Yeah. So October is Menopause Awareness um, Month, which is great. But so it's nice to be able to um, come and kind of chat to you about it. You know, in I suppose in real time, really.
0: Yeah, because I've seen lots
1: about it on things like Loose Women, and obviously
0: when it's an Awareness Month, you do kind of hear much more about it. So I don't know if because it, pe- people are talking about it more you're then recognising it more as well. And because I knew I had a podcast planned in with you, but I do feel like I'm having and hearing more conversations about it. Could be because I'm creeping towards that age as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think there's more, which is brilliant. That's exactly what we're kind of aiming for, isn't it, really, for there to be more conversation around it because that's been... Certainly one of the problems in the past and it's still a problem, um, but it's definitely getting better. So it's great that you're obviously picking up as well those kind of early messages that are coming out a little bit more. So
0: what what spurred you on? Why menopause? Why was that in particular a topic
1: that you wanted to cover? Yeah, so when I was, um, well, just before my 40th birthday, um, I was diagnosed with early menopause, which around kind of five out of every hundred women um, will experience. So early menopause is before the age of 45. Um, I had absolutely no idea uh, that that was going to be the case for me. I'd had probably about 18 months of symptoms, which were really recognisable perimenopause symptoms. So perimenopause is the stage that you're in before you reach menopause. Um, but I didn't know that that's what they were. Uh Um, For me, my kind of level of understanding around the menopause was that it would be something that would happen to me when I was old, Uh Um, you know, thinking in my mind it would be something that's happening to me in my kind of late 50s, 60s, Mm -hmm. certainly not in my 30s. Um, And I just wasn't on my radar. I thought, you know, that what would happen is my periods would stop and I'd get hot flushes. That's all I knew about the menopause. And you know, I didn't know all the other symptoms that I now, you know, I'm now aware of, and so I kind of got this diagnosis just before I was forty, and it kind of changed a real pattern for me because I had to really educate myself, really study because I'm a bit of a geek like that, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Really, kind of, I wanted to know what was going on for me because I was finding it really hard to be able to manage. So over the last three years, that's kind of what I've done, and and it, suppose it, it kind of led me to reflect a lot on, on other women. And when I talked to other women and things like that, they were in a very similar position to me going, God, I would never have known that any of those things were related to, you know, moving towards a transition of menopause. I wouldn't have had any idea because, again, if you ask most women the symptoms they think of are hot flushes and, and your period mm-hmm. stop. Um, and for, for me, I wasn't experiencing either of those things. However, after 18 months, um, and like I said, lots of other symptoms, I then did experience night sweats, which are, are hot flushes, but you experience them in the night. And that was kind of my real aha moment of, wow, actually, maybe this could be something that's happening for me. And, and that's when I revisited my GP yeah. and said, look, think that I, I want this to be a consideration. And um, within a couple of weeks, they kind of came back to me and said, yeah, you know, you are in early menopause. But, um, you know, I was like stood in the middle of Manchester. I just dropped my daughter off um, to do some training. And I literally just got a phone call from the GP going, um, you are in early menopause, you might want to come in and see a female GP at some point. End of the conversation, really. And wow. that's where kind of a bit of a journey started. So
0: in hindsight, then you talk about there was some symptoms before you had realised and they weren't the common symptoms that you related to menopause. What were they, the
1: perimenopause symptoms were? What- yeah, so I'd, um, there was loads of things if I look back now and, and because they kind of all came very slowly over probably an 18-month period and because I wasn't aware, there was just lots of things that now I look back on and if I'd been able to be in a position to join them all together, I would have had much more knowledge. So it was things like um, my opticians had suggested that I didn't wear contact lenses anymore because my eyes were very dry mm-hmm. and so during peri- perimenopause and, and, and any stage of the menopause really, anything that requires moisture in your body often starts to feel like dry out really. Mm -hmm. So your eyes require moisture Mm -hmm. and therefore they weren't, um, you know, getting enough moisture for them. So that was one of the things I'd started to get really bad um, cycle migraines, which I knew were related to my cycle because they would happen like three days out of every month. Um, And, you know, they're reoccurring with this pattern as well. I had um, really bad um, like joint and knee pain and things like that. And I had a frozen shoulder that went back. And again, those kind of muscle aches and pains are really common in perimenopause and menopause. Um, I had really bad um like brain fog. So I couldn't really think of things very clearly. Like I couldn't remember how to log onto my computer at work, like certain systems at work and things like that. Um, I couldn't remember dates and names. Um, I was burning an awful lot of food because I wasn't even remembering that I was kind of putting it in the oven. Um, So there was lots of things really when I look back and they kind of all just built up over Mm. 18 months, some of which, you know, I was attending my GP and talking to them about. um, But again, because we probably, neither of us, neither my GP nor myself were putting them together as a a bigger picture. Mm. We weren't aware. And that's where it's so important for women to have that information and education around what are menopause symptoms. You know, there's 36 on average, but they say more if women are are like physically monitored more closely. They often pick up more. But there's 36 on average that women will experience. And if we know what they are, we can start to kind of understand, you know, are they increasing? Are they becoming more difficult for us to manage? And, and they can be the signs that we might be entering perimenopause, which, you know, a lot of women will start to enter, you know, when they're kind of in their 40s. Mm-hmm. Um, not like I thought when I was thinking, you know, i would be around my 60s when that was happening. And, and that was just my level of knowledge. And, you know, I'm a mental health professional. I knew my mental health really well, um, but I was starting to feel anxious about lots of things, and I knew it wasn't the same anxiety that I'd experienced in the past. I knew this felt very different. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that was one of the things that I think has spurred me to, to develop you know, the organisation and the training that we offer is the fact that lots of women about, you know, one in every two women will experience anxiety during perimenopause and menopause, and lots of those women will not recognise that that's the symptom yeah. of, of menopause. Um, and the early stages of menopause as well and and so for me from a mental health point of view I was just like this is just not okay you know Mm. the statistics around mental health and menopause and perimenopause are quite you know just quite difficult to accept you know 66% of women that go to their GP practice to you know with related menopause um, anxiety are offered antidepressants you know And that's not, I'm not having to go to GPs there, you know, you've got to be compassionate to everybody, really. But it's just, for me, that figure kept sticking out and thinking, wow, you know, that's just something that with some education and some support, we can have better understanding about, really. And I think I'm just picking up on the fact there that you you said,
0: because to me, it sounds like you've been so in tune with your body and you've really picked up, although it probably didn't feel like at the time, but. You probably have picked up on that a lot sooner than most women. And the majority of women maybe aren't as in tune with their bodies. And in particular, the mental health Because, like you say, you're a mental health professional. You live in that world. You'll be aware of them, them things that you need to pick up on. But for anybody else, I think it would still, it, it probably would still be undiagnosed. And I think it's only because you've been aware of it that you've managed to, to get that.
1: Yeah, I would agree, you know, at the time my daughter was about to go to university and lots of people were saying, you know, do you not think you're just, you know, anxious because she's leaving to go to university and you've got, you know, a big change in life and things like that. And I was like, no, you know, I know my own mental health. And But if I'm honest with you, Jenna, there was times during that period that I was, I was almost out myself and thinking, I know you keep saying this, but, you know, have you got a bit of a, a kind of, a, you know, like a blind spot that you're not acknowledging mm. that maybe you are struggling from a mental health point of view? you know, because I've worked all my life about addressing mental health stigma and and re-educating, you know, and supporting people to understand their mental health. And so I knew I had that confidence in myself, but I suppose the perimenopause makes you feel unconfident at times, you know, that's one of the symptoms. And so I started to almost not feel as confident in myself. And, but I kept coming back to the fact that I knew my mental health well enough to know that this was not my normal anxiety. This was something very different. And you know, like you said, for me, I just think that's not okay if women aren't in that position and they're feeling, you know, anxious or depressed because of the symptoms that they're experiencing through menopause. They are way more likely to be diagnosed with a mental health condition than they are relating it back to menopause. Yeah, and um, I was just—we had a conversation
0: a few weeks ago when you came down to our centre, and um, it's worth noting, especially for podcast listeners, because our last episode was on fibromyalgia. And we have now done lots of focus groups and we're starting a focus uh, support group in January, actually, all around fibromyalgia. And I know that we've spoke about that and how sometimes that can be wrongly diagnosed
1: or it can be be coupled up. Yeah, you know, because, you know, for example, for me, I was experiencing really bad joint pain. Like my knees and everything were just really, really sore and I was thinking, you know, a couple of things, everything goes through your head, doesn't it? I was thinking, have I got arthritis in my joints? Have I, you know, I love going to the gym and I was thinking, God, have you just done so much that you've almost, you know, that old wise tale of have I worn out my knees kind of Mm -hmm. from like running and being in the gym and stuff, which is, you know, completely inaccurate. But that's where my brain was kind of taking me to when, you know, people are diagnosed with things like fibromyalgia because, you know, they have these symptoms and, you know, they're not sure what's going on for them. And so, it's just really about kind of educating, offering information and support to, to women, to whoever comes into contact with those women, you mm-hmm. know, whether that be hairdressers or, you know, um, a beautician or somebody that they work with or, you know, any of those people that women, you know, come into contact with, friends, um, you know, sisters, whoever, mm-hmm. that can have those conversations, their own partner, um, anybody, so that you feel more comfortable having those conversations and, and you know, sharing that information. And just to be able to say, have you considered that it might be menopause? Because I think
0: even going back just a handful of years, people, unless it's again, I'm aware that sometimes the the world are working now. We have very open and honest conversations, but I do feel like there has been a shift with menopause and people are starting to talk about it. And there's definitely been heightened um, awareness with employers having to have more understanding for their employees
1: yeah there's you know at the moment on friday there's a, there's a rally taking place in london and um, which one of the the MPs has has kind of um, organised really and that's about bringing you know information to parliament around making some changes around the menopause and the support that's offered to women and one of the things that that you know that they they've got in that that kind of reading is around you know workplace you know supporting people in the workplace really because the figures when you look at workplace employment and women that are experiencing menopause are really, you know, just not great at all. And, you know, I look at how the changes that employers have been willing to make around um, mental health support within the workplace. And I think it's really similar that we need to kind of bring those open and honest conversations into workplaces as well. You know, you've got women that 75% of women are saying, you know, that their menopausal symptoms and perimenopausal symptoms are affecting you know themselves when they're in their work and and it's really important to say that that's not the quality of their work and it's not the capacity of them being able to do it but sometimes those symptoms are going to prevent them from being able to engage in their workplace in the way that they want to Mm. Um, and if we can make some small simple changes and just have those conversations then workplaces can keep hold of really valuable women that have got a lot of experience and a lot of knowledge and maybe have been an employee of theirs for a period of time and they you know, can just make some small kind of supportive changes that will really help them. Because the brain fog, instantly, yeah. how would you approach your employer and say, I'm really
0: sorry, but I just am um, really struggling with brain fog because you'd be frightened, wouldn't you, that they were going to think, oh, crikey, she can't cope with the work anymore. So how, how do we approach them conversations with an employer? What's the best approach for, for, for a woman? And if for any employers that might be listening, how can they support
1: yeah, I think it's about what you said, that that more open conversation. And it's it's understandable that we're going to be a little bit nervous about having mm-hmm. those conversations because, you know, I did. I thought, you know, is it going to reflect on how people feel I'm capable of doing my job? And I love my job, mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I've done it for a long time. And I, I know in my heart that I'm good at my job, but, you know, there was things I needed to make some adjustments and changes so that I could make sure that I could continue to do it at the high level that I expect of myself and that I want to deliver for, The people that I come into contact with. So for me, it was things like, you know, making those changes of just going, you know, I'm going to have to make notes. I'm going to, you know, keep a record of things. I was much better about using a digital diary so that I knew, you know, what I had on and and planning time out, you know, making myself have like focus time so that I could block everything else out for an hour and just concentrate on that piece of work because then I would make sure that I'd have a break. You know, and employees can offer things like that. You know, they can offer simple changes in the workplace like, okay, well, you know, how can we support you in, in meetings, for example? You know, you might need to, to be able to take notes in those meetings. You might want us to follow up a little bit with some actions around them so that we're all in agreement and, mm-hmm. and we know what that is. Um, you know, there's small things that, that we can change in, in a workplace. You know, for example, even things like making things more comfortable within an office space for, for you know, an individual. So if you're somebody that is experiencing hot flushes, then you might not want a huge, great, big desk fan brought into the office and yeah. set on your desk. But, you know, you might, you know, for example, Carlisle City Council, they provide um, their impl- female employees that are experiencing hot flushes with really discreet, small um, USB pluggable fans. So they just plug into the USB on their desktop. There's no big yeah. you know, desk fan sat on there, but that woman can still experience that, that sense of coolness that she might feel that she needs. You know, it might be that you want to set up a little group within your workspace so that you know ask the women that are there you know mm-hmm. turn it back on to them and say what would you feel would be supportive for us from an employer point of view some you might be able to do some you might not um you know and we get that you know it's a tricky one sometimes mm-hmm. to be able to manage and that's one of the reasons why I designed our you know workshop that's glowing the workplace so that the workshop that we offer to workplaces to kind of come together share like knowledge and understanding around the menopause we help raise awareness and then we also work with them to go okay so what kind of changes would you like to offer either to your employees or what you know what your employees what would they like to see Mm -hmm. you know that would be helpful for them um and then that allows those employees to feel more supported in the workplace um you know we help to To start those conversations, you know, how do you have them in a sensitive manner, but much needed conversations, you know, so that everybody can kind of thrive in that space at work, really. Mm -hmm. So you've got the workshop that you can deliver, what's it called, did you say, Glow in the the Workplace, which is for work spaces. So either that can be for employees to come on, um, you know, and and learn those kind of skills and, and develop those skills really around kind of addressing the issues around menopause, you know, supporting their employees. Um, and then all you know employees can come to them as well we've you know really great if you can get both male and female which is really Mm -hmm. vitally important because you know it is 50% of the population is going to be affected by this but I would say everybody is going to be affected in some way because if you're a line manager or a boss or whatever that may be you you may also want to be able to have those conversations and then we have our the best way to glow which is more based around individuals and groups so that's a workshop that we offer to individual women or you know groups of women that want to come together or anybody really anyone can come along to them um and that's more on an individual basis as a group and i think
0: that's something we're keen to work on in the future isn't it so i think um if anybody listening does want to know more information about that definitely get in touch because if I can't help you from a weekend point of view, I can definitely point you in the in the right
1: direction. Yeah. Um, so we usually have like open ones that are available for people. So like at the moment, we've got some in Dalston that are mm-hmm. running and, and anybody can book onto them, you know, and come along and just spend. We spend a couple of hours together. We talk all things menopause. So everything from lifestyle changes to choices around, um, you know, types of um, HRT even that you might choose to do. Um, you know, and then we also kind of have a chat where people bring their kind of questions and answers, things that they're finding mm-hmm. difficult. And, and women have found them really, really supportive. And on those particular workshops, I've partnered with um, Claire Gray from Claire Gray Fitness. And so she does a little bit of cheek on, um, mm-hmm. at, at, you know, as part of the workshop, which has been really helpful for women as well. I think, uh, as always, the one of the most helpful
0: things is just sitting in a room with other people that are going through the same as you and, and sharing what you're going through, what helps one person and what helps the other and trying to
1: pick kind of ideas from each other. Yeah I think you know we've got to have those more open conversations and you know when I was first diagnosed I found it really really hard to to speak to people and kind of go because like I said I just literally turned 40 and when I was kind of getting used to it and I was like if I'm honest Jenna I thought oh god this is really embarrassing you know Mm. I feel I feel really old, I feel really uncomfortable about it, It, you know, how on earth am I going to have conversations which, you know, I suppose is quite funny thinking where I am now, um, you know, and that I've chosen to kind of almost share it very publicly Mm -hmm. but I think, you know, I suppose I took that decision because I just thought, you know what, I don't want other women to be in this position and I don't want people that are trying to support those other women not to have the knowledge Mm -hmm. to know, you know, how can we help and I think it was just, driven by that really that I decided right okay well what can you do and and I've seen the progress that's been made in mental health over the years and how that has gone from being a subject that people found uncomfortable to talk about didn't know where to get support from didn't know how to you know um, kind of manage it on in a day-to-day basis to to some real changes positive changes Mm. that have taken place and I think we need to see the same when it comes to kind of menopause, really.
0: I completely agree. I think I applaud you for, for everything that you do. And at the minute. Um, all it takes is one person, doesn't it, really, to kind of
1: take yeah. charge and lead the way. And it, it just takes that one person to work with other people, you know, and, you know, for all the women that come to the workshops, you know, one of the pieces of feedback that we get a lot is that, having that gosh, I feel just so much less alone and mm. why on earth isn't this? you know done more you know just in general you know everybody should be signing up to this and and if I had my way you know what what we really want to do is is work with you know women that are just entering kind of their 40s mm-hmm. because that's the time when we really need to go right okay what's the information that I need to know because I think it doesn't necessarily change the symptoms that you're going to experience but if we understand that they're coming mm-hmm. because you know 75% women will experience symptoms in perimenopause and menopause you know quarter obviously you know women won't um but if we understand what to expect and we can kind of you know manage and negotiate some of those symptoms by either lifestyle changes or treatment choices or any of those things then it's far less distressing yeah you know and research has shown that that psychologically when we are prepared to approach something actually it has less impact mm. on us it, it unsettles us more because we we know what's happening rather than worrying about it and i think for me that's probably my biggest thing when i didn't know was the worry that goes with, what on earth is going on with me? You know, why am I feeling this way? Why can't I do this stuff that I used to be able to do? Yeah. Um, and I think if I'd known some of that, I'd be much kinder to myself. And I think that's one of the things that I all, we share with the women, you know, that we work with is, you know, just be a little bit kinder to yourself to begin with. And then, you know, start to work on some of the things that you might want to change or, yeah. or put in place to, to support you.
0: What sorts of things though? So for me, in um, my lack of wisdom, um I've obviously heard of HRT and probably just through loose women and conversations I learn a lot from that program um but you talk a lot of about lifestyle changes so what what kind of things does that involve? Yeah so I think you know
1: that I mean our health in midlife so wherever we're at with our health in midlife is a is one of the biggest indicators of, of our likelihood of where our health will be at in later life so I think if we always bear that in mind if we can prepare for having really the best health that we can have in midlife that's going to set us up really well so that's not to say that if we haven't done that well we're too late because we can make changes at any time I think but it's things like you know exercises that golden thread that's really important and that can be any kind of movement you know you know I know that for some people the gym isn't their thing you know but just find something that that creates that movement that means that you're less sedentary. so that you know whether that is the gym or is it a class or is it you know, is it yoga? What is it that you enjoy doing mm-hmm. um, from a fitness point of view is really important because as we go through um, perimenopause and then m- menopause and beyond, we start to lose our muscle strength. Our bone quality starts to kind of um, degenerate as well. And But we can, you know, reduce that and we can, you know, strengthen those things by using exercise, which is really, really important. Um, you know, dietary changes, so things that we, you know, able to take care of you know, better health from a food perspective, you know, things like that. Because, again, um, what some women find difficult, and it's difficult to talk about this subject in, in kind of, I suppose, something like this where you haven't got the context so much because you don't want it to be in any way kind of like, oh, well, you know, women should be a certain size or shape because I'm yeah. always really, really cautious about that. Um, you know, but a lot of women will say, you know, I have gained weight that I'm uncomfortable with yeah. you know at this stage, and I'm doing the same exercise that I used to do or I'm eating the same foods, but our metabolism starts to slow down as well. Mm-hmm. you know estrogen, which is the hormone that is influenced you know an awful lot during perimenopause and menopause, has lots of effects on different parts of our body, so mm-hmm. even things like our digestive system, you know the fact that um weight management, et cetera, it all starts to impact, and so we might need to make some healthy, you know, adjustments to our kind of, you know, food and the things that we eat. Um, stress is another huge one. So from a mental health point of view, you know, putting things in place that will help you to manage your stress levels, you know, so that you're in a calmer, better place so that then actually when things happen, you're more able to be able to deal with them. And I think the earlier we do that stuff, then the easier the transition often is for us, I think. Yeah. Preparation is key. Yeah, I think it is. yeah. Yeah. I think You know, and I think we only know what we know. And, um, you know, I think it is about preparing and it's not about kind of dreading it because Mm -hmm. I think what we can do is go, Okay, well, that's probably going to happen. It's got to come. We can't change that. But how can I prepare for some of that so that I feel more comfortable and confident in knowing what's happening to myself, understanding what my choices and options are to make some adjustments and changes if you want to. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, kind of going with them and finding out what works for you as an individual, I think.
0: Yeah. Would you recommend a starting point would be a visit to the GP if you were thinking this was happening to you, or is there an an element of kind of self
1: management? Well, I think the most important thing for you to do, I think, is to to kind of track any symptom, understand what the symptoms Mm -hmm. are. I think is really really important to be convinced you've got a really good understanding of what are the symptoms of perimenopause. Mm -hmm. Then I think. Track those symptoms over a period of time. So there's a great app called the Balance app, which um, Dr. Louise Newson um, has set out for free, and um, which is a brilliant app. And it's free to download. And basically, you just it's a way to be able to understand the symptoms and also track them. So you can track your symptoms over several months and then you can see, OK, so which ones are starting to affect me? Which ones are more consistent? Which ones, you know, have now reduced a little bit? And if you start to see a pattern, where actually you start to think actually some of these symptoms are impacting on me quite a bit now, and I actually want to make some changes, you can take that to your GP. You can print off the little report that it gives you mm-hmm. as well, which is brilliant. Take it along to your GP and say, look, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm entering this kind of age. These are some of the symptoms I'm experiencing. I'm starting to find that actually they're they're quite, um, you know, kind of you know affecting my quality of life mm. really and therefore you know i'd actually like to have a discussion around could it possibly be that i'm in perimenopause or could it be that i'm you know reaching the, the stage of menopause um you know and then have that discussion with your gp and talk to them about it um you know so that you can kind of rule if there's anything else as well which is really important because mm. okay we might start presume that these things are related to our perimenopause and mm-hmm. menopause, but we need to double check that we yeah. need to check that it isn't anything else because some women will experience things like heart palpitations, you know, and yeah, they're probably related to the menopause, but you need to have that check to make sure that it isn't anything else. You know, yeah. it isn't some type of cardiovascular disease or something like that. So going and having that physical mm-hmm. checkup and, you know, ruling anything else out, talking it through with a medical professional who will give you that support is really important. The only thing I would say there, and this is not in any way... um you know not in any way trying to be discompassionate towards GPs because I appreciate their time and their training and all of those things um sometimes we might need to have more conversations than one with a GP you know my GP practice is a brilliant practice um however I didn't always get um the right information from Mm -hmm. them that I now recognize you know would have been really helpful at different periods of time so sometimes you know and that's One of the reasons why we set up the workshops really was to kind of ignite women's curiosity, give them lots of resources and information so that they can then make a decision, an informed decision themselves in order to prepare themselves to either go and talk to a medical professional and have those further conversations is is what I would say. Yeah,
0: and you can almost walk into your GP's office with more information yourself. And like I say, if if you've been using the app and tracking things, You're going in prepared, which is actually going to be really helpful to a GP, isn't it? They're not going to have to send you out asking you to generate all that information if you go in and you've already done it. Yeah, you know,
1: most GPs have got 10 minutes to be able to see you, Mm, you know. And one of the things that one of the campaigns about menopause is about at the moment is to make, um, you know, GP training more consistent. So depending on which university you went to, depending on, um, you know, where you received your GP kind of training from, you may or may not have had menopause training you mm. may have had half a day you may have had three hours you may have had full day there's no kind of consistent this is what each GP needs to have so you know sometimes if you're not feel, finding that your GP is particularly responsive even if you feel that it's something that you you know you want to explore then you might need to, to ask to see a different GP in the practice um, you know just so that you can get some information from somebody who maybe has a little bit more knowledge around the subject or feels more comfortable to talk about it it's
0: quite surprising really isn't it when you think that they're only getting that limited amount of training for something that is definitely going to happen to like say 50% of the population yeah. when, you, when
1: you put it like that yeah it kind of doesn't add up does it it doesn't you know and and like I say the first conversation I had with my GP about it you know he he pretty much said to me you might want to come in and speak to a female GP yeah. because he clearly didn't feel comfortable no. having that conversation about is it is that women have we just cracked on for generations is that uh, yeah i mean i'm not sure it's you know it's just not been very well designed for women really sometimes has it and and i think we have to be cautious not to get into i'm never a big fan of being in a place where we start to kind of blame other people for what's kind of happened um and one of the, the values that we have at kind of Dandelion Coaching is always about compassionate communication mm-hmm. because it's not about saying, oh, GPs, you're doing a terrible job. It's about saying within the kind of limitations of what the, within the, kind of limitations of what the system is set up to mm-hmm. be, it's, it's not always ideal. Um, and it's a bit like, you know, saying, well, this is mm-hmm. all men's fault or it's, you know, male bosses' fault that the workplaces are and whatever. It's never about that. It's about going. Okay, yeah, so we, and are I where we are. How so how can. I think how we can we make, make it better? better
0: is by doing exactly what we're doing right now and having conversations about it. And then pe- people who are listening to this podcast, please have those conversations w- with other people that you meet. I liked what you yeah. said um, at the start, actually, like hairdressers and beauticians oh. and nail technicians. Yeah. My nail technician, I always say to her, she's like, she's like a therapy session when I'm getting my nails done. And and it is in, in settings like that, isn't it, that you have these conversations and even though it might not be relevant to that person, it could be relevant to the next lady that sits in their seat and they could say, oh, actually, I've had a, yeah. a woman in earlier who was just saying something similar. And it is, it's all, the more we talk about it, the more we can help each other. It's
1: completely, it's so important. I really want to work with people like, you know, hairdressers, etc. And those people, anybody really that comes into contact with women at any stage so that, you know, they can go, right, okay, well, I now have this knowledge, how can I sensitively approach the subject? Because I was talking to um, a male hairdresser a few weeks ago and he was saying, you know, I recognise it because one of the symptoms of perimenopause is often mm-hmm. the, the quality of your hair changes. So, you know, either you can start to lose your hair or it can start to feel quite thin or dull or, you know, just changes in your hair. And he will say, you know, I notice it in the women that have been coming to me for years and I know that they're getting around that age but it's really difficult for me to mm. go. How do I approach that subject with them without them? You know, because menopause has this huge stigma. You know, when I felt, like I said, even myself, when I first experienced, um, you know, knowing what was going on for me, I instantly, I instantly felt. felt old. I instantly felt uncomfortable, and oh God, how am I going to explain that to anybody? This is really embarrassing. And we've got this societal thing around, you know, kind of women's aging and all of those things. And I think, you know, so therefore, if you're a hairdresser and you approach it with somebody, you've probably got a 50 50 chance as to whether they're going to go oh wow thank you I never even thought about that but thinking about it now I didn't realize that that could have been something or that was one of the symptoms and I've had these other things going on for me so maybe you could be right there or you might get someone who's Mm -hmm. kind of like how dare you that's really you know that's really rude actually and that's why we need to approach those conversations you know sensitively Mm -hmm. well informed um and you know consider how do we do that you know how do we open up those conversations coming from a place of support and I think in fairness overall I think if you if you are opening a conversation it's a bit like mental health if you're opening a conversation from a place Mm of of kindness and support usually even if you get it wrong you know and Mm -hmm. the person kind of goes no you know how dare you kind of say that you can always say look I'm really sorry I wasn't you know I didn't mean anything by that but I was just I know from experience or you know, I've been on this workshop and actually these are the things that we were talking about. And we started to recognise some of these symptoms and, you know, you can kind of yeah. explain where you're coming Brilliant. from, really.
0: Listen, thank you very much, Lindsay. I think all of the information you've given today is absolutely fantastic. It's helped me even. There's lots. Of, we could probably sit here and talk for another couple of hours. Um, but I know Definitely. we have got plans to work together on some workshops, which hopefully, we haven't got any dates set in stone, but hopefully should be somewhere in the new year. So please, please, if anybody is listening and wants to get in touch and find out more about the workshops, please just drop me a message and we will keep your name on our list for when we get some dates sorted. Um, And in the meantime,
1: just, yeah, have those conversations with each other. Yeah, definitely, you know, have those conversations, have a little look on our, um, we've got some social media and like a website Mm -hmm. so you can have a look on that because it's got more information on there as well. Um, So it's under Dandelion Coach, have a little look on there and just, you know, even if that's just sharing some of the information that's on there with somebody that you think might benefit from it can be really helpful. It's just about showing exactly. a little bit of more support, isn't it, for each other? Thank you very much. Thanks, Jenna.